0: Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You're listening to This Week in Sports. As always, I'm the Pody. It is Friday, June 17th, 2022. It is Juneteenth, in fact, and thanks to this national holiday, I had off from work today, so I'm bringing you the podcast just a little bit earlier, about a couple hours or so earlier than usual, so I can have this out even earlier, which is great as we head into the beautiful weekend, although the weather isn't seemingly uh, looking too great. But this is, I believe, episode 173 on tap here today, and we're going to get things started. We've got uh, some talk. NBA Finals, of course, the Warriors clinched a championship in Boston last night. We've got to talk a whole lot of Major League Baseball, some crazy wild streaks going on, Um, a couple of no-hitters broken up, some World Cup action we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. We've got some NFL stuff, including minicamp opening up for pretty much every single team. Deshaun Watson spoke he's going to uh, practice at minicamp. In, in fact, um, so we'll see how that goes. Still no word on whether he's going to be suspended or not um, with these civil lawsuits going on. Um, what else we've got uh, on tap here? Some U.S. Open golf, of course. Unfortunately, the lefty did not make the cut. Uh, that's some breaking news, if you will. Lefty did not make the cut. And he was not alone. Um, conditions were not great there, uh, but. Rory's doing well, a couple of other guys, I'll update you with the standings, and I'll let you know how things are going in terms of the U.S. Open. Um, So without further ado, let's basically jump right in and start with last night's NBA Finals. Okay, the Warriors are now NBA champs for the fourth time in the last eight years. Shocker, I know, right, after the last two seasons they had to come back. This season, uh, just one for the ages. Steph Curry was redonkulous. They were down twelve to two early here in Game Six last night, but they showed their championship grit by going on a fifty-two to nineteen run in Boston, in Boston at the Garden. Okay, Um, so very impressive. I actually missed a twenty-one to nothing run as I had switched back to watch the Yankee game because it was one-one. Uh, late in the late innings. And I was trying to see if the Yankees could win their 14th in a row at home. Longest streak since like what, 1973 or something like that. Just they're on a tear, uh, just in a league of their own right now. But anyway, I digress. All right. So I was all over the warriors last night. Okay. So everybody was, was saying that Boston is going to win this game. They're going to force a game seven. And I just didn't see it because in game five, Steph Curry had his worst shooting performance of his playoff career and one of the worst in his entire career, regular or postseason. He um, went 0 for 9 from 3. The last time he had failed to make a 3-pointer in a game was November eighth, 2018. He scored just, I think, 14 points in that Game 5, and the Warriors won that game pretty handily. Um, a Luke Cornett cornered 3 at the end, made it a 10-point game that busted a couple of... uh spread bets there who, uh, people that had it at 11, but they won that game pretty easily. And he only scored like what 12 or 14 points, whatever it was. I think it was 14. So didn't make a single three snapping a record sh- streak of 132 consecutive playoff games and 233 straight games in which he had made at least one three pointer. So back to game six last night, I did a parlay bet. I had Warriors money line because they were underdogs. I threw in Steph Curry over five threes or five plus threes. And then I threw in over 28 and a half points. So I needed 29 points. Well, for whatever reason, DraftKings, I have a bone to pick with them. They have been capping these promo bets for me at $10. So I threw $10 on it. I wanted to throw 50 on it, but I wasn't going to I liked the odds I was getting with the boost. I didn't want to go back and throw another 40 to get get worse odds. So I threw the 10 on it. Um, So he has two threes at half. He's got 12 points. I'm feeling okay, but I'm like, eh, he's going to need to go off in the second half for 17 points. Okay. We come to the third quarter now, and this is when Steph Curry takes over. Absolutely goes on a tear. Draining three deep balls, finishing the quarter with nine points. However, this is where it was getting dicey because the Warriors had been up by so much. I was like, oh my God, are they going to actually bench him if this is not a close game? Luckily for me, the Warriors started clanking a bunch of threes. Everybody was shooting bricks. The Celtics go on a little run to close out the quarter and they cut it to 10. 10 point deficit going to the fourth with that home crowd. You're starting to think, oh boy, um, could the Celtics actually pull off an upset like they did in game one and, and come all the way back and, and win this thing. Um I believe too at the start of the fourth quarter, a th- couple minutes in, they were able to get this thing as low as eight or nine. But Steph Curry, I mean, he put a kibosh on that thing so quickly as he ran away with 13 more points in the quarter, closing out the Celtics, 103 to 90 on route, in route to his first finals MVP, because if you remember, as my dad questioned, he never won an MVP before. No, in 2015, Andre Iguodala won it with that insane performance that he had in the finals. And then the other two years that they won it, I believe Kevin Durant was your finals MVP. So yes, fourth ring in eight years and one more, and I'll be able to fit one on each of his fingers and two more to chase down MJ. And yes, his first finals MVP. Curry was so elated, so overcome with emotion that he even, you know, went down on his knees, like collapsed and and was just bawling out, crying. Um, It was just unbelievable. Did that with about 2.7 seconds remaining as he realized, like, he had accomplished his dream, winning a finals MVP. Okay. Averaging 31.2 points per game in these finals, shooting a a ridiculous 44% from three. He shot 44% from three guys. And game five, he was 0 for 9. Just unbelievable. Uh, You know, even if the Warriors lost this series to Boston, I think Curry still might have won the MVP. He was by and by and away, you know, far and away the best player in the series. Although Jalen Brown um, outscored him in this game with 34. It was tough though because Jason Tatum disappeared in the fourth quarters of these games and he was so timid. He looked super slow. I think he was very tired after. You know, going running through the East back to back series where they went to seven games and now having to contend with Steph Curry and shout out to my man, Al Horford, the real Boston MVP. This guy carried them through the playoffs, played out of his mind in game one. He was guarding Steph Curry on these switches and did a very, very admirable job for a big. I mean, ridiculous. Steph was making shots. Uh, you know, driving past Allen and, and scooping up and unders, you know, off the window and falling down like, but that was for, for a big man, unbelievable defense by Al Horford. So props to, to big Al. Um, We'll see, it, you know, if he comes back, runs it back with Boston, they're going to be a good team again next year if they keep these core pieces together. Um, But you know, the, the, here's the presentation for Steph and his MVP. I mean, it just says it all. This guy is a, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer and is going to go down in history as the greatest shooter of all time. A two-time league MVP,
1: a member of our 75th anniversary team, and for the
0: first time ever, he's an NBA Finals MVP. The 2022 Bill Russell NBA Finals MVP award goes to Stephen Kirk. Yeah, so you can hear the MVP chants there by his teammates. They're so proud, so happy for him. As, like I said, he went through four finals and hadn't won an MVP. So this, just one more accolade to add to the trophy case. Uh, Just phenomenal, phenomenal. One of the greats, truly, of all time. Oh, and let's not sleep on my man, head coach Steve Kerr, who has now accumulated nine rings. 9. I didn't hesitate. That is correct. 9 rings. 5 as a player and now 4 as head coach of the Golden State Warriors. I mean it really is a marvel. Um Gary Payton on the other hand, he becomes uh the fifth father son duo to win an NBA championship of course. Gary Payton the 2nd, his father was a great player in his, you know, time uh with the Heat and other teams. Klay uh, Thompson and his father are other are one of the other duos as well. But back to Steve Kerr for a second. I, I mean, only six players. Excuse me. Uh, seven. Uh, Steve Kerr is now the seventh individual to win nine plus championships as a player and coach combined last achieved by Phil Jackson. It's just unprecedented territory. He's going to go down as a Hall of Famer in his own right as well. Uh, Just unbelievable. Of course, he won four straight championships, three with the Bulls in the late 90s, and then in 99 with the Spurs. So just phenomenal. And then to win four here in eight years, it's just, it's unbelievable what he's been able to overcome, especially with the back injuries. Of course, if you remember way back, um, I think it was the 2016 season when they lost the NBA finals. That was the historic season, I think, where they went 73 and nine. He missed the first like 40 or 50 games with, a, you know, back surgery. He was laid up with his back and Luke Walton um, took over as interim head coach and they still went to the finals. So a lot that he's had to overcome with the back. Wasn't sure if he'd be able to remain the head coach, but he's battled through it and done a hell of a job with this team and the core. The 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 core three of Steph, Draymond, and Clay has to be one of the great core threes of all time. I mean, if you think about it, Draymond made his first three of the series last night, actually looked a little bit better like himself. And then Clay coming off the two leg injuries has clearly lost the step, and he still averaged 17 points a game in this series. Just unbelievable. And the final, Cherry on top of this ice cream, you have to, have to, have to give credit to none other than Kevin Durant. And why do I say that you have to give credit to Kevin Durant? Because Kevin Durant had enough respect for Daryl Morey in this franchise to agree to a sign and trade with Brooklyn. So when they traded Durant to Brooklyn, they were able to recoup d'angelo russell and they used d'angelo russell and parlayed him into andrew wiggins who you know damn well was a huge catalyst as big a catalyst as any besides steph in them winning this title i mean he single-handedly won game five because steph was so like was so bad in that game so you have to give credit where credit is due and that has to go a little bit to kevin durant So there you have it. The Warriors winning their fourth title in eight years. Let's talk some U.S. Open golf. So after round one, your leader was little known Adam Hadwin. Um, And I was getting a little nervous and a little scared there because the the top of the leaderboard is called the United States Open for a reason. And the top of the leaderboard after yesterday had nearly zero Americans. And son of a gun, this morning I was looking at guys and I thought about betting Colin Morikawa. There is now a three-way tie at the top. Um, Adam Hadwin, by the way, has dropped two shots today. Um, Of course, he's Canadian. Um, He is down to uh, a tie for ninth at two under. All right, so here's the leaderboard. This guy from the UK, um, Callum Tarran, is tied for first. He is four under. He's one under today through 10. You've got uh the Swede, David Lingmurth. I don't really know him, by the way, which is a little surprising. Some lesser-known guys at the top. Then you've got Morikawa at four under. He is three under. So far, that looks to be the best score of the day. Three under through eight holes. Then you've got a guy, you've got Hardy. Damn it, Scotty Scheffler's another guy who was three under. He had good odds to win. And then, of course, your reigning U.S. Open and John Rahm, is right there at three under. So this is going to be a very good finish as we head into the weekend. Um, I mentioned earlier my man, Phil Mickelson, did not make the cut. Uh, Rory's up there, too, or he was yesterday. He was one back. Rory is now two over, so he's one under, tied for 14th. So back to my man, Phil. Um, I decided to bet him, and I got everybody in the office at work and my brother to place some money on him. Stupidly enough, his odds were plus 22,000. So 22,000 to one, if you were on FanDuel, 20,000 to one on DraftKings. 25 bucks I placed to win $5,500. And what did Phil do? He went out there and was 11 over through two rounds. This is now the fifth time in his career that he misses the cut at the U.S. Open. You got to go back to 1992, the year I was born. He, he, his first uh, missed cut, 2007, 2016, and 2020. So more and more as he gets older and older, these are starting to bunch up where he's missing the cut. His 11 over is tied for his fifth highest score relative to par after two rounds at a major. The only time he show, excuse me, the only time he has shot worse was at the 2020 U.S. Open. And I don't believe there were even fans there because of covid wow um what else yeah I I decided to bet on Phil because I'm really into this book of his I'm reading all about it he has never won a U.S Open that's the one major that has eluded him he's come very close a couple times and I really thought that uh this would be the one you know at at, at the country Club uh the oldest country club in, in America the first ever uh there in Massachusetts it, it A historic club hasn't been played there in like 50 years or something, maybe more. Uh, Just ridiculous. And then he goes out there and it's like, yeah, because I bet on him. He shoots 11 over and doesn't even come close to making the cut, which I think is projected at two over par. So I also thought with the whole live stuff going on and all these guys getting flack for it, that Phil would come out and try to prove everybody wrong and just dominate this course And I think it was the exact opposite. All those guys from the Live, besides like Dustin Johnson, are doing pretty poorly. And I think part of it, in my opinion, is probably because there are a bunch of hecklers and protesters probably that are giving Phil a hard time for selling out, if you will, and taking the money for the Live series. Although nobody wants to talk about how China basically owns the NBA and all these players wear Nike sneakers in which they are produced in factories in China, sweatshop type conditions. Um, They use iPhones that come from China and come from poor factory conditions. Uh, So, yeah, everybody just wants to hate on Phil and all these guys for taking the money and running. But let's be real. They would do it themselves and they are doing it themselves in these other sports. So just because it's Saudi Arabia doesn't make it any different than China or any one of these other countries that basically owns the sports market. All right, I've been eagerly following the World Cup as you guys already know, and now I'm even more excited because yesterday FIFA announced the 16 sites that will host the World Cup games in 2026. So we still got a ways to go, another four years after this upcoming um, World Cup in the fall slash winter that begins in November. The first World Cup to be jointly hosted by three different countries, the US, Canada, and Mexico. And a lot of these are football stadiums. I know DC, a couple stadiums there uh, throughout the country, but MetLife Stadium is going to be one of them. It was announced yesterday. And that is amazing for me because I live about 35, 40 minutes from MetLife and I've been there many times. So uh, you better bet I'm going to try everything in my power to make sure I can go. I already spoke with my brother about looking into getting tickets uh, because it's going to be a hot commodity and I think it's awesome that they're going to be playing it in three different countries. Just just awesome. Um, and speaking of the World Cup, the field for the 2022 World Cup that begins in November, that field is now set as Costa Rica claimed the final spot with their one nothing victory or should I say 1-0 victory over New Zealand on Tuesday. All right, let's get to a wild and wacky week in Major League Baseball. We had a pair of no-hitters broken up in the ninth inning this week. On Tuesday, it was Miles Michaelis who was dealing, he of my fantasy baseball uh, team. The Cardinals starter had surrendered just one walk and was on his way to accomplishing the feat and throwing his first no-hitter when he surrendered a two-out, two-strike, Double in the ninth inning on his hundred and twenty ninth pitch of the game, and here's the thing: I will play that for you now. I thought the center fielder, um, possibly could have caught this. I think I don't know if he got necessarily a bad jump, but his angle to the ball wasn't great, and the way the bat was swung, it didn't. It looked like he just reached out and poked at the ball, and I I was shocked at how far it went. Um, But I do, in my heart of hearts, believe another center fielder or if if this uh, if this guy had a second chance, I don't I don't know if it was Harrison Bader or not. Um, But I think the ball could have. I'm not going to say should, but it easily it it definitely could have been caught. Um, But here it is for this right here. The two 2 pitch fly ball into center Bader going back. It's a clean hit. It's a ground rule double. And Cal Mitchell breaks up the no-hitter as the Pirates were down to their final strike. Okay, yeah, you could hear the standing ovation and everything. It was Harrison Bader, which I thought. Um, yeah, he, he dove for it over his head. Um, the ball was a little to his left, and then it one-hopped the fence. And he's like looking around, didn't know where the ball was, didn't know it it was a ground rule double. I just think he got a you know, these things happen. It's a no-hitter. Nobody's putting the ball in play, really. Um, He maybe fell asleep for a split second. But I think if you were to ask him if he had a second chance to do it over again, I think he would agree that he could definitely have caught this ball. It wouldn't have been an easy catch by any stretch, but possibly could have been caught. Uh, maybe by another center fielder, like I said, if he had a do-over himself. Um, the other no—and and by the way, a guy by the name of Cal Mitchell, I couldn't tell you—I couldn't pick this guy out of a lineup. Um, I know he plays for the Pirates, and they don't get a lot of um airtime in prim- these primetime games or anything like that, but I don't know who the heck this guy was. Um, So shame on you for breaking up the no-hitter, Cal Mitchell. Okay, the other no-hitter hit att- uh, no hitter bid was, was Tyler Anderson of the Dodgers on Wednesday. And I woke up yesterday, went to work, had pretty much no idea this took place because this was like a 10 o'clock game on the West Coast, Dodgers and Angels. And yeah, I just had no idea that it happened. So Tyler Anderson, if you don't know, he is having himself an MVP caliber season for the Dodgers. With one out in the ninth inning, more of the same. A no-hitter broken up, this time by one Shohei Ohtani. Shohei Ohtani. And he drives it to right field. That has a chance, and it's down. Shohei Ohtani breaks it up, and he's looking for his first triple of the season. And he gets it. The no-no is no more. For Tyler Anderson, valiant (laughs) effort by Mookie Betts. It really was a valiant effort by Mookie. He dove full out down the line, never had a chance to catch it. Um, And yeah, Tyler Anderson loses the no-hitter with one out in the ninth. His pitch count was getting up there a a bit as well. And David Roberts obviously couldn't take him out of this one, especially after the debacle with Clayton Kershaw earlier in the season where he threw seven perfect Innings and they pulled him out. Um, and like I said, if you don't know who Tyler Anderson is, you need to learn because he has he is now eight and zero, tied for the league lead in wins with his running mate uh, Tony Gonsolin, who's on my fantasy team by the way. He also now has a pretty minuscule two point eight two ERA. These are pretty damn good numbers for a guy that wasn't in the Dodgers rotation to begin the season. Oh my God. Yeah, pretty spectacular stuff. Um, All right, let's talk about my New York Yankees because they continue to dominate pretty much everyone. Last night, Yankees coming in, riding a six game winning streak. They got a bit of bad news as Luis Severino was supposed to start this one. And was uh found himself on the COVID IL list. So the Yankees had to scratch him from the his scheduled start, and they had to uh call upon Clark Schmidt out of the bullpen to start this one. And he gave them a couple good innings. Yankees were down one-nothing. Um, but I think like the fourth or fifth inning, they were getting no hit up until a Aaron Hicks single, I want to say in the fifth, the Tampa Bay um Rays. They went with a bullpen game here, so they were going like two innings a guy and just switching in and out. Um, It was Rizzo that tied the game with a base hit in the seventh to plate uh, DJ LeMahieu, who had walked earlier in the inning. And then much the same as it's been all year long, Anthony Rizzo coming up, bottom nine. This is when I missed that 21 uh, uh, to nothing Warriors run, and it was well worth it. The 2-1.
1: center, there it goes, see ya, ball game, Rizzo, and the Yankees are in 7th heaven, they've won their 7th in a row, as they sweep the Rays right out of the Bronx. That's
0: right. Sweep the Rays, a division rival. The Yankees are now sitting atop the baseball standings. Both American League and National League, they have the best record in baseball, 47-16. and They coincidentally lead the Blue Jays by 10 games, and they actually start a three-game series in Toronto with the Blue Jays um, starting tonight. But they lead the Blue Jays by 10 games just unbelievable. This entire week was absolutely insane. First, we had the no-hit bids. Then on Wednesday, we also had history in the making by the Houston Astros and Texas Rangers. This, quite frankly, might be the most impossibly possible thing that I have ever heard of In sports, in my entire life, especially in baseball. And I don't know that it will ever, ever, ever happen again. It's like lightning striking the same spot twice. Oh, my God. So, here we go. In the second inning of Houston's 9-2 win over the Rangers on, like I said, Wednesday, Astros pitcher Luis Garcia struck out Nathaniel Lowe, Ezekiel Duran, and Brad Miller on nine pitches for what is called or known as an immaculate inning. Three strikeouts on nine pitches to end the inning. Well, guess what? In the seventh inning, Astros pitcher Phil Mason, or excuse me, Phil Maton, saw the same hitters, all three of them, and he too struck out all three on just nine pitches. Oh my God! Just how rare is that, might you ask? Well... It's the first time in Major League Baseball history that two immaculate innings have occurred on the same day. And not only did this happen on the same day, it happened in the same game against the same team to the same three hitters. Wow. Just wow. And we're not done. Baseball continues to dominate the headlines here on episode 173 of this week in sports. I talked about how hot the Yankees are winning 7 straight. Well, guess what? They're not even the hottest team in baseball right now. That goes to the reigning World Series champions, the Atlanta Braves. The Braves right now are on absolute fire. On fire. Um, they had a really slow start to the season. They didn't get Acuna back for a, for a while. And they lost Freddie Freeman, of course, to the Dodgers. Um, they did get Matt Olson to replace him. Um, but they really did. They got off to a very slow start. The Braves are now cooking. They have started to round out into midseason form to the tune of 14 straight wins. Atlanta has cut what was once a double-digit deficit in the standings by the Mets, into a minuscule four-game lead, and it's not even July. Tell me if you've heard this story before, Mets fans. Although this does seem like a different Mets team than years past. They don't have Scherzer back yet, or DeGrom, although they will be getting them back by all-star break, and they're still leading this division by four games. But my goodness, the Braves having won 14 straight. Last time I checked last week, it was the... uh. It was the Angels that had lost 14 straight games. Now, this week, the Braves have won 14 straight. The Angels did stop the bleeding at 14. Let's see if the Braves can continue this trend tonight and win their 15th straight game. I believe they play tonight. Everybody plays tonight. The Braves are playing the Cubs actually right now. It is 0-0, bottom five. I'd be enticed to bet the Cubs right now because 14 in a row, you got to lose at some point, right? Am I right? Okay, we move on. And finally, last but not least, in terms of baseball, Stephen Kwan for play of the year. You have to see it to believe it, but just listen to this. And then when you get a chance, look this up on Twitter. It is, in my opinion, catch of the year so far. Oh, without question, it is going to be in the running for play of the year because not only they were up one, it was first and third, two outs, that would have tied the game. He preserved the lead and the win. What a catch for the lefty, left fielder, diving full out using every inch of his body. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What a catch. Okay, we move on to my favorite call of... The episode, really, uh, uh, let's say my favorite call of recent memory. OK, so Stanley Cup finals, Avalanche versus Lightning. Sorry, Rangers fans. You you blew a two nothing lead in the Eastern Conference finals and you let the Lightning win four straight. But it's not so much a detriment to you. You're a young team. You'll be back. Uh, the Lightning are just unbelievable looking for their third straight Stanley Cup uh, victory. So anyway, the Avs took game one over the Lightning in overtime what a call this was. Pass is blocked. Another bouncing puck. Gobbled up by J.T. Comper. Down the middle, Comper holds, shoots, it's
1: blocked. Michushkin with it, Burakovsky, he gone. many times and we talked about Burakoski is that that X factor because he's got the shot he's got the ability to get himself open nice play by the avalanche but he buried it a minute and 23 seconds
0: into overtime and Colorado is taking a one nothing series lead yeah so what a call it was of course a rip On a classic song closing time. Um, But just a great, great call. Uh, The party was over. Avalanche win that game. one nothing. I believe game two is tonight. Um, No, tomorrow. Uh, Game two will be tomorrow at 8 p.m. So uh, look out for that Colorado. Of course, minus 150 favorites there. So let's get back on track. Um. Okay, like I said, this should be a uh, this should be a very good series, actually. Um, Lightning were down two nothing in game one. They battled back, tied this game at three apiece, but it was just like two minutes into overtime that the Avs scored off the deflection and then the pass, and and they get it done there in game one. But I I do believe this should be a really really good series. All right, the Dallas Mavericks. No, they are very close to competing for a title. They lost to the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, and they already have one of the best young players in Luka Doncic. The emergence of Jalen Brunson, Dinwiddie, etc. was a huge reason they made it as far as they did this year. While on Wednesday, the team acquired big man Christian Wood from the Rockets in exchange for four players, Boban Marjanovic, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, and Marquise Chris to go along with a uh with the 26th pick in this month's draft. And shout out to Boban. Um if you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. That's my rec of the week. Um go watch Adam Sandler's new movie on Netflix called Hustle where he where he plays a Philadelphia 76ers scout and he basically scours the the globe trying to find the next big talent um for the Sixers and Boban is in that movie and he's he plays a player that that um that Sandler's character goes to scout and he's like a freak he's shooting threes he's just so big right and he leads Adam Sandler to to believe that he's like 22 years old because you have to be you can't be older than 22 for the NBA draft and it was just super funny uh, because the guy's like oh I'm 22 and then he's like got kids running around that are like 12 years old or whatever so or a 10 year old kid so he would have been 12 if he had. It's just, it's a funny movie. There's a lot of NBA players in it. Sandler does a phenomenal job. It's just a great basketball movie. So if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, I recommend you go out and you uh, watch it this weekend on Netflix. That That movie is streaming now. It's called Hustle. Um, Also, Christian Wood, if you don't know, he's a big man for the Rockets. He's a very, very good player, uh, gifted offensively. He will pair nicely with Aluka, who is an assist machine. We'll find him for easy buckets. Um, He'll get some rebounds there. But his defense definitely needs work. Um, I mean, his whole game really needs work, uh, if you ask me. But I think with Jason Kidd, Running the ship there, he'll be able to solidify um, Christian Wood as an all-star caliber player because really playing for Houston, they've been bad the last couple of years. Nobody really knows who he is. So uh, look out for the Mavs next year as one of the early favorites to get back to the Western Conference Finals. Okay, let's talk NFL briefly. Um, Some interesting news out of Colts camp. Starting safety, Kari Willis has decided to retire at the ripe age of 26, just three years into his career. Willis said Wednesday that he plans to become a Christian minister. Not off very often you hear that, but okay. This is a big blow to the Colts secondary as Willis started 33 of his 39 career games and registered 219 tackles. I'm very intrigued by this Colts team. Of course, they now have Matt Ryan as their new quarterback. So very curious to see what what they put together this year. Okay, Deshaun Watson is continuing to eat up headlines um, and fill the front pages. He spoke to reporters on the first day of Brown's minicamp Tuesday. He maintained his innocence, saying that he, quote, never assaulted, disrespected, or harassed anyone. Um, I thought I had audio of that. Give me one second. That's a little odd. Hold on. Uh, let me see here. I thought I definitely saved it. I know I played it for myself. I can pull it back up, though. Give me one sec as I do this on the fly. Let's see. Here it was. It wasn't a long video by any means. Here we go. Uh,
1: I think, yeah, I think that question uh, kind of you know triggered a lot of people, not just women in general, but a lot of people from this, you know, in the lead from women to, to males and things like that. And what I was saying is, yes, I, I never assaulted, disrespected or harassed anyone. But at the same time, I do understand that uh, I do have regrets as far as the impact that is have on the community and people outside of just myself. You know, and that includes my family. That includes this organization. That includes my teammates in this locker room that have to answer to these questions. That includes, you know, the fan base of the Cleveland Browns. That includes males, females, everyone across the, the world, you know. So uh, that's one thing I do regret is the impact that has triggered on so many people. And, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to, to have to, you know, do it. But as far as your, your actions, you don't have any regrets about anything that you've actually done like I said, I never assaulted anyone, or I never harassed
0: anyone, or I never disrespected anyone, or I never forced anyone to do anything. Um. So, yeah, Deshaun Watson. Those are his claims. Well, guess what, Deshaun? I think 24 women state otherwise. But okay, you do you. Uh, he's going to practice with the team throughout minicamp and see where this thing goes with the lawsuits and and see if he doesn't get suspended or not. The Browns do have a clause. They are only paying him $1 million this season. So although it's a historic deal that he inked to the tune of $230 million or whatever, um, they're only paying him $1 million this year from what I was able to find. So there you have that on Deshaun Watson. And speaking of historic deals, Major League Soccer has inked a historic deal with Apple TV. This is a huge media rights deal um, was announced on Tuesday. The deal will bring the MLS $250 million per year, which is way up from the 60 to 65 million or so the league currently gets from its uh, three partners and its deals with ESPN, Fox, and Univision. This is interesting part of this, though. Apple will not be the exclusive home for MLS games as others are still negotiating for smaller packages. MLS will create its own streaming service within the Apple TV landscape, but you won't have to be an Apple TV Plus subscriber to access the app. However, if you are an Apple TV Plus member, you will be able to watch select Apple MLS broadcasts throughout the year without paying for the separate service and there will not be blackouts, much like what they're doing with MLB right now. And it is Friday, so there will be two more MLB um, games on Apple TV Plus tonight. Um, I saw it earlier. I forget who's taking on the, um, somebody's playing the Guardians tonight on Apple TV. Um, but that's besides the fact. Um, usually they, they send me an email. Here we go. White Sox will be playing the Astros and the Cleveland Guardians are at the Dodgers. So those are the two games on tap tonight on Apple TV. Um, let's see. Okay. Let's get back to business here. Where were we? All right. Okay, let's talk a little College World Series baseball. The field is finally set. Auburn and Stanford were the final two teams to get in, with Auburn defeating number three-seed Oregon State and number two-seeded Stanford beating UConn. And this is a really cool um, hype video because the College World Series starts today, this courtesy of ESPN. Here's your little College World Series preview.
1: The men's college world series begins today on ESPN and streaming live on the ESPN app.
0: Yeah. So you have Oklahoma, Texas, Texas, uh, Oklahoma versus number five, Texas A&M. That game is actually going on now. I'll get a live score update in a second. And then you have Notre Dame versus number nine, Texas at 7 p.m. So it's funny because we're down to the final eight teams. Oklahoma and Texas are both in this. Those are the two teams that competed for the Women's College World Series in softball, of course, Oklahoma defeating Texas in that one. Let me get your quick updated standings. There are going to be two a uh, couple games tomorrow as well. Uh, Stanford will take on Arkansas, and Mississippi will face number fourteen Auburn. So let me pull pull up those scores for you right now. Uh, there's only one game going on. Oklahoma is on top of A and M, twelve to four in the bottom of the fourth inning. Wow. Um. So they're blowing them out pretty badly there. So it looks like Oklahoma will go on to win that game. And then tonight you have at seven p.m. Texas and Notre Dame. Of course, Notre Dame knocking off becoming the heroes for everybody, knocking off the number one seed and badly hated Tennessee Vols Sunday, marking now the 22nd straight year, the number one seed will not win a national championship. This dates all the way back to 1999 when they implemented the current College World Series format. That year, the number one seed was Miami and they were able to win a national championship since 1999. No number one seeded team has won a national championship. Just incredible. And this was an all-time great Tennessee team. Guy throwing 105, uh, but they were very hated. One of their players hits a walk-off double or whatever single the other day or a week and a half ago, and he he gives the finger as he's rounding first base. Just very hated. College baseball, these guys are really becoming some hated uh, frat bro types. Um, I saw... I want. Was it? Uh, I don't know if it was Oklahoma. Somebody won a game and, and sent somebody home, and they basically waved them goodbye after they got the final strikeout. Just very cocky overall. Um, not really into all that stuff, but yeah, Notre Dame they got the win. Uh, my sister's friend's brother actually, a true freshman left-handed pitcher from New Jersey, actually got the final out against Tennessee. So that's kind of cool there. Um, and yeah, Notre Dame. It's just their third trip ever to the College World Series. I believe they did it in, the, I want to say 47 or 53, and then again in 2002 maybe, and now they're back in the World Series for the third time. Obviously, Notre Dame is a football and basketball school, not necessarily a baseball school, but still pretty cool. Um, I will be watching that games all weekend. You know, uh, it's going to be a fun sports-filled weekend for sure. All right, last but not least, Let's talk a little NFL and my New York Jets and one Ahmad Sauce Gardner. So, I just want to point this out. So, Gardner was the fourth overall pick and got paid as such. I think to the tune of like a rookie deal, $33.5 million, something like that. Maybe 18 mil guaranteed. So, he's he's got the money. Well, he very, very badly wanted his college jersey number, the number one. Because when he got the nickname Sauce in college, of course, never allowed a single touchdown in coverage, in his couple of years at at Cincinnati, uh, gained the moniker or the nickname Sauce, wearing that number, that jersey number one. He wanted it badly, and unfortunately, he got drafted number four by the Jets. He got the number four. Number one was taken by none other than D.J. Reed, who came over to the Jets in March from Seattle. He wore number two in Seattle and switched over to number one with the New York Jets. Well, they had some conversations. Gardner really wanted the number. They worked it out. Yeah. And Sauce Gardner paid DJ Reed $50,000 for a jersey number. Oh, my God. And, you know, let's be real. DJ Reed isn't, you know, a well-known type of a player. He, he He's an NFL player. He's a starter type. Um, but got to say that is one hell of a move by Reed coming over to the Jets and taking the number one, not even realizing that he was going to make out with 50 grand just to switch jerseys. So it's a win-win, I guess, for both guys, but let's be real. Reed is the real winner here. Okay. And finally, we're here at our final segment on this date in sports, and it's a doozy. One of the greatest sports. Days in sports history, June 17th, 1994. It was memorable for several reasons. One, you had OJ Simpson arrested following a lengthy police chase and, of course, the Ford Bronco. Two, you had the Rangers celebrate their Stanley Cup victory. Uh, That's the last time they won a Stanley Cup in 94. The Knicks won Game 5 of the NBA Finals. And the FIFA World Cup began with the opening ceremony in Chicago. What a sports-filled day. Again, June 17th, 1994. It was an epic one. I was two years old, so I don't remember any of it. Um. Okay, there's a report from CBS, real quick before I end the show, that... The NFL is going to argue that Deshaun Watson should get a significant ban during allegations. So nothing official there, but we figured he was going to be facing probably a season-long suspension. Also, here's a quick nugget I just found. On this date, June seventeenth, two 2002, the U.S. men's national team defeated Mexico 2-0 in the 2002 World Cup. Texas's Ivan Melendez wins Dick Hauser Trophy as the outstanding player in college baseball. He led D1 with 32 homers and 94 RBIs. Um, I just saw too that Scotty Scheffler eagled in from uh 30 yards out. He chipped in. Um, so he's now up there, tied for the lead with Morikawa at four under it there at the U.S. Open. You can watch the rest of the tournament. As it unfolds throughout the weekend, I will actually be playing golf with my 91 year old grandpa, my brother and his wife tomorrow. So i um, got to get some good sleep in, maybe get to the links a little early, work on my short game, because last weekend I was driving the ball good. Um, I picked up my iron game on the second, you know, on the back nine. But my putting was atrocious. I sunk one putt in 18 holes. Um, I miss I-, I couldn't make, you know inside of 10 feet. I could not make any putts to save pars um or or to get any birdies. It was just brutal. So um hopefully I have my short stick working tomorrow. Um so that's what I'm going to be focusing on there. Um I don't know if I have anything else for you guys. That's pretty much it. Um I'll end it there. It's four o'clock here on the East Coast. We're less than an hour in. It's a perfect time to stop it. Um, enjoy the weekend guys. I'm going to go watch some, uh, college baseball. I'm going to go watch some U S open. I'm going to go play golf tomorrow. I'm going to watch my Yankees as they take on the blue Jays. It's going to be a fun filled weekend of sports. Um, happy Juneteenth, everybody. Um, also I'm going to go play some MLB the show. Now that softball season is over, I have some more time on my hands and I've gotten my rank inside the top 400 last year. I was in the top hundred and then I kind of just stopped playing. That's not going to happen this year until I'm inside the top 50 and then the top 10. And I'm going to keep playing and keep playing because I'm getting better and better and better. And it's a great, great video game. And I'm so glad they brought it to the Xbox. So with that being said, guys, girls, boys, children, children of all ages, whoever you may be, may be that is listening to this episode. I'm the Pody. This has been episode 173 and I am signing out. See everybody next week.